Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. Cossum, that's what we do here at Perpetual Traffic. Did you know that? It doesn't have to be paid traffic. It could be any, all the traffic. Well, it could be any kind of traffic. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe we should change our intro through traffic, traffic generation. Mm-hmm. But we it just doesn't sound as good. it just doesn't sound as good. Not as quite as sexy. The interesting thing, though, is a lot of people think what they need is traffic, and what they actually need is conversion. Right. And you know, today's guest knows a lot about converting on the TikToks as well as Snapchat. TikTok, yeah, TikTok. We're going to be talking about that here today. Don't have too many people that come on this show that talk about TikTok. We, like we mentioned in passing, but we've got like the world's authority here. Although she doesn't think that she is, but she really is. We're uh, just elevating The world authority wouldn't think that they are, though. Like, humility isn't, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, she's humble, hungry, and smart. So that's why she's on perpetual traffic. But uh, how's everything on your end? This is our banter time, by the way. Hang on, let's do some banter. Bantering. Are we bantering enough? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I want to let the listeners in on a, a, a trick. Our our editor uses a uh, a tool in order to identify cut points, mm. and so if we make a mistake, we say Hector, Hector. and then Hector goes Hector. in and he and he looks. It's like it's like when you when you search in a word document, you do control F and you look for. And so if he hears or sees Hector, that's how he knows that there's a cut point. But if we just keep saying the word Hector. Hector. <laughs> it makes his job so much harder. <laughs> so, we're, so we're visioning him like in the editing room right now. Right. The headphones saying, I really don't like these guys. Hector. Hector. Yeah. So if you hear us dropping random Hectors, like now for the rest of time, just know that's what it is that we're doing. You know what? I'm going to like figure out a way to like explain, I don't know, get on like a farming analogy and say I have hectares of land. In Ooh, northern, look at like, that. yeah, I, so, dude, that's the competition. Who can come up with the best and most organic insertion of Hector? I think that's pretty good. I think we'll have to, uh, yeah, yeah at, you know, add us over on, on Twitter, Ralph HB or Qasem Aslam, and uh, give us your best Hector, Hector uh, synonym. I guess it would be a homonym, right? Something that sounds like it but doesn't really. Isn't spelled, yeah. isn't or just creative insertion? Creative insertion. You know, like, like Achilles fought Hector, right? And so, if you could come up with an analogy, how that applies, just any way to insert Hector in a conversation, so we can screw with Hector, mm. would be it's great. Yeah, Hector Gonzalez, one of my favorite baseball players. Yeah. My favorite making... curses are Heck or Tor, Darn or I don't know. That was bad. I'll keep trying. <laughs> keep thinking of hectares. Anyway, well, you know, we've sufficiently filled up the banter time. See, there you go. So we've we now, uh, you know, we've satisfied Hector. 
for that. So satiated, <laughs> which satiated is his appetite for banter. Well, before we get into today's conversation, and we're actually talking about real stuff here, like business, traffic, conversion, TikTok ads, Hector. Um, <laughs> I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has left us a review. Each review really does go a long way in helping us continue to bring great content to you. And like we've said in previous episodes, we will announce those people when they uh, leave us a positive review. We'll probably do them in bunches, I would guess. But they really do do uh, a, a great service for us as well as, as we always say, you know, we do, you, as you've noticed, there are ads on this show now. And what? yeah, there are. It's, it's a fact of life. Mike. It's like, if you're doing podcasts, you probably need some ads. So how dare they try to monetize? This? I know, I know, but by leaving a review, um, you know, it helps us become more popular so that we can charge more for our ads. I think that's really it. So Ryan yeah, can, so make, Ryan more can make more money. So buy another Tesla. Buy, another. <laughs> <laughs> buy the, the new model, like the one, the, the, yeah. the really sports car model, one that's coming yeah, out. Yeah, he's got the 2020, and I know it just chaps him not to have the 21. I know. I know. Although he does have like those two by four blocks on the accelerator just to make sure he can reach the accelerator in the brake. <laughs> now I'm really getting into trouble here. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> this is a continuation of so next week's episode of Perpetual Traffic will be hosted by Hector. <laughs> we'll have a new co-host, a new host next week because we were just fired by Ryan Dice. That's right. So uh, anyway, so please leave us a positive review over there. Just tell us what you think. Like we're doing some other stuff. We're coming in on Fridays now. It's we used to say see ya till next week. We have two shows a week. We're doing I think you you and and one of your cohorts over there, one of your comrades and uh, one of your minions at <laughs> Solutions Eight is doing a Friday show this week. You know, we've got uh, tier eleven people that come on on Friday, so we're a couple of times a week now, which helps that that I guess that helps iTunes ratings or something. No, we just want to give you more content here that's helpful and useful instead of us bantering here we're actually going to get into that useful and helpful content um and well i've got one more ask oh actually, okay Ralph, if you don't go for me. it so there's we've got a new link it's perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better and just cards on the table we want to be the number one marketing podcast on the planet uh the universe let's say and in order to do that, we need your feedback because a lot of this is echo chamber. It's like, oh, what do you want to talk about? You know, we think this is what you want and we have ratings and, and views and downloads and all those things. But why don't you just tell us? So if you go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better, you can tell us one thing we do well, three improvement opportunities, and then other topics that you're possibly interested in. Mm-hmm. It's 100% anonymous. We won't know who you are unless you want to give us your email, in which case we'll subscribe you to our newsletter. But let us know what you want to hear. And y'all, if there's a thought leader that you want to hear from, we'll go track them down and we'll, you know, we have people to do that. Them. Yeah, exactly. We have people, we have hectares. We have hectares. Yep. Hectares. Yeah. So we have hectares, hectares. of hectares. <laughs> All right, we're really beating this. It's getting so bad. Really so yeah, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we can do better. Help us be the number one marketing podcast on the planet. Um, coach us, make us good. Yeah. We love feedback. So today's yeah. conversation, speaking of feedback and great, is um, none other than Savannah Sanchez. And she is going to be talking about TikTok, but not probably the things that you think she would be talking about on TikTok, like 
campaign setup and targeting and all those old school things. We're going to be talking about the things that actually really matter to get high converting ads on TikTok. And she knows how to do it better than anyone, at least that I've seen. Uh, I don't know too many other experts. And so we're pretty excited to have her come on today and talk about that as well as Snapchat and uh, tell us a little bit about where she came from and how she started on the Facebook side of the equation. Uh, So stick around. We're going to get into the interview with Savannah Sanchez right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are here with Savannah Sanchez of the socialsavannah.com. Uh, you can also uh, follow her over on Twitter. She's a great Twitter follow at, at social underscore Savannah. Uh, remember to put that H on the end. I don't know if perpetual traffic listeners are really great spellers. I know we've had some issues with that in the past. That's unlikely. <laughs> so I sometimes yeah. need to spell it all out. But anyway, uh, we're really excited to have her here today. And uh, welcome back actually, to Perpetual Traffic. You were such a popular guest the first time. We had to have you back a second time. Welcome back to PT. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Cool. Well, let's get right into it. I mean, I think we didn't really talk about this last time you were on the show, but where did you, like, where did you come from? All of a sudden, uh, just all the, like, the, <laughs> why are you, why are you here? Like, <laughs> yeah. I spent the, all the, all, I don't know why it was all the females on my team. Like you have to start following Savannah Sanchez. She's amazing. And this, I started hearing about this like a year or so ago. Like you, it seems like you came out of like nowhere, but your overnight successes are not a thing. You were perfecting your craft way before that, I'm sure. So there's a backstory here, maybe to give us a little bit of a background and then up to the present day, like how you kind of got here, how you transitioned into these two platforms, which are exploding right now, especially TikTok. I mean, God, I, it seems like I get like a TikTok video from my kids who are 19 and almost 21, like almost every single day. 
It's like, they're not even on Instagram anymore. So like, just tell us about your journey and how you got onto this platform and uh, learn the stuff that you know right now we're going to be talking about here today on PT. Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I currently am a freelancer. I help e-commerce businesses with their paid social strategies, as well as with their ad creatives. Um, most recently over the last year, I've been really focusing on TikTok, um, helping e-commerce brands um, scale their paid advertising spend on that platform and help figuring out um, how to best use that platform um, to drive conversions, as well as helping brands develop the TikTok creative side. So that's really where I spend all my time now is thinking about how to make great TikToks and, and working with my clients on doing that. Um, where I come, where I came from, um, I used to work at an agency. Um, this was in, in 2018. This is where I really started being a media buyer, where I was working with e-commerce brands on their Facebook and Snapchat and Google um, advertising campaign. So my background is in media buying. Um, but ever since I left that agency in 2020, where I was like, you know, I'm going to just do this on my own, become a freelancer, uh, work with brands directly instead of going through an agency to work with brands on their media buying and um, paid social creatives. That was in January, 2020. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been tweeting ever since. I've really been active on Twitter over the last year or two, as I've been building my freelancing business, really just sharing tips and what I'm seeing working in terms of creatives, um, strategies that are working on different platforms. And then most notably really sharing my experiences with TikTok and how I've been able to work with brands on there and what's working. So I'm really lucky to have a great community of marketers on Twitter that I get to interact with every day. And, um, we all share tips and tricks about what's working on these platforms. Mm. Interesting. I'm always interested when we had Nick on here uh, a few shows back, like how the talking about how his Twitter following just exploded when he used a certain strategy. But your stuff is really is devoted specifically to these platforms. Like, who do you follow? Who do you look to to get to inspiration or inspiration from for not only your tweets but also the stuff that you're doing with clients? Like. How did you get to where you're at right now? You said there, there was some, uh, obviously some media buying and some agency experience prior to that, but who do you look to now to get even better and, and hone your craft even more? Yeah, there's, there's some really smart marketers on Twitter. Um, I've, I follow 150 of them. So I always tell people like, Hey, just go to my followers list of who I'm following. Um, I, I really appreciate all the opinions of the people who I follow. So it's a very select list. So that that's a great place to start. Um, if you go to my Twitter social underscore Savannah and, and see who I'm following, but really um, what I'm tweeting about is just what I'm seeing on the day to day. Um, really that's how I became a great media buyer and good with creatives is just learning from other marketers around me about what strategies are working. I think that's why conferences have been so popular and like even online events, because it's all about sharing um, what you're seeing working. And because these platforms are changing so quickly, what worked a few months ago doesn't work now. So that's kind of the great thing about Twitter is I can go on there every day and see like, okay, um, this is working for these brands. They said this isn't working. Um, people are so um, generous with the knowledge that they share. Um, and so I really just want to do the same for others and, um, and share what's working for my clients. And I just think it's so much fun, especially when I'm making creatives, I'm starring in them even on, on some of the times, uh, my team is making really great ads and to be able to share it with everyone else and be like, Hey, this ad's working. This is why I think it's why it's working. Not only helps me get business of people wanting, um, to work with me on their creatives and TikTok, but I think it 
really goes full circle because then it inspires other people for ideas that they should be doing with their ad accounts. It, and Savannah, you just dropped one of my favorite secret life hacks, which isn't really that secret, but I like to see who the authorities follow. And what's really interesting is almost as a ubiquitous truth, like I'm looking at your Twitter uh, profile right now and you have 24,600 followers, but you're only following 151 people. And for the folks that really know social well, that tends to be kind of the distribution. Like they have a massive following, but they follow very, very, very few. And, uh, a, a, you know, I don't know if we can call it a hack even, but just a pro tip for people is go figure out who it is that, you know, you know, like respect, trust in your industry, out of your industry, et cetera, and take a look at who it is that they're following. Because I think what Savannah just said is, I mean, gosh, what an, you've already done the hard work. You've done the curation. And now we just get to go in and, and you know, kind of steal from your micro Rolodex here. I think that was a, a golden tip. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I found recently I'm going back I mean, obviously, you're you're looking, and we're all looking around, like uh, for people who are present day in doing what we're doing. But I've also found, and for me, maybe this is just because I'm old <laughs> or older, <laughs> older than Kasim, um, probably so older Savannah, than I'm you. Savannah context. <laughs> Uh, Nick Shackelford, who was on here a couple episodes ago, he hops in and he looks at Ralph and he goes, you know, this is, this is my first pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) And Ralph is like, it's my first pandemic too. I wasn't around in whatever it was, the Spanish. 1918. I remember it. (laughs) So now the joke is that Ralph has been around since, you know, God knows who. (laughs) Multiple pandemics ago. Multiple pandemics. I've lived lived through all of them. Yeah. And here I am. I'm still living. Uh, yeah, 1918. I was only 20 back then. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but what I found is that I always go back to the old school people in the advertising world, like Ogilvy and Schwartz and, you know, I'm, I'm Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy. I always go back to, to those people. Like I'm rereading Breakthrough Advertising. I'm rereading Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson, which is, he's not really old school, but he's kind of old school. It's like in a day like today and, and where we're at, and I think this leads into creative and how you've been successful on TikTok. It's like the human nature element of it, I think, is like uh, unraveling human nature is still fascinating. And I think that's the most fascinating thing about advertising and marketing. It's like, how do you actually persuade people through creative, through copy, through messaging? And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of advertisers get into this. I have noticed that in the last five, six, seven years, like in the, you know, the golden days of Facebook, when it was all about the algorithm and everything else, there was more tacticians and data scientists. And I think those people are however still effective and needed, it's really, it's the creative ones that are the ones that are really crushing it right now and doing well and creating those unicorn ads that you, you see and you spend millions of dollars on. And I found like a lot of the concepts from the old school marketers are the ones that I keep referring back to today. And you obviously have a a peer group that you draw from, but like the creative now is it. It's the thing. There's no more hacks and tricks and tips. Those are all helpful. But my sense is when we start talking about TikTok, you're not going to be talking about like audience selection. You're going to be talking about the creative itself. Am I off base in saying that? 
No, you're, you're right on target. That's something that I've been really saying more and more over the last year is that media buying is dead as we know it. It was there was a period of time, like I like to call it the golden years of Facebook, as you alluded to, um, between like 2013 and 2018, where there were so many hacks out there, like duplicate your ad set 20 times, set all the budgets to $1, have half of them on bid cap, half on cost cap, and you can hack the system. And I would always go to these conferences and hear people talk about these tactics and hacks. And, um, but no one was talking about creatives. No one was talking about copy. No one was actually talking about the product or the psychology of why someone should buy. Um, really media buyers were hyper-focused on like, what is the best account structure and like, what is the latest hack that's working? But really where the algorithm and machine learning is going on Facebook is that they don't want advertisers to use hacks or just anything like that. They, the algorithm will work better for you. If you have a very simplified account structure, you're following Facebook's best practices and not just wasting time, as I like to call it, um, having hundreds of campaigns and splitting them out in different ways because all that energy that you spent doing that, you could have been using thinking of better angles, thinking of better creatives, um, thinking about your customer more. Like Thinking about bid cap versus cost cap is kind of a, a useless exercise, I think. Yeah. It, it's curious, and we'll get into this, like your creative process, but what is, and you have a team of people that do a lot of the stuff, do a lot of the creative creation for you. Where do you get the inspiration from? Like, how do you actually come up with the idea, the thing? Is it just scrolling through your TikTok feed and getting ideas from other people? Is it stuff that sort of comes out like you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh my God, that's a great idea for this brand? Or like, <laughs> what's your evolution? Like, is there a process that goes along? And because obviously you have a team now, you have people that are doing the same kind of thing. But at the end of the day, like you're like one of the things that I know you really love to do is is create creative for brands. Like, how what is that process like for you? I think there's a lot of ways to go about it, and it's never been easier to be inspired and to get creative ideas. Um, one of the best ways, as you alluded to, is just scrolling through TikTok, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Instagram, and start saving and paying attention to the ads that you're getting targeted with. So that's that's level one. Um, level two is doing research with via Facebook ads library, like looking up your competitors, looking up other big brands in the space, um, and seeing what type of ads they're running. Like it's never been easier, especially since Facebook ads library came out to see what are the ads that these brands are running. And you start to pick up on trends. Um, like in the first three seconds, there's a thumb stopper and then it goes into a testimonial a problem solution. Like the more you start observing the ads and doing research, you start to realize that there's actually just a lot of formulas and that it's really formulas of just advertising that are hundreds of years old, like problem solution, um, genuine social proof testimonials. Um, so you start to pick up on these trends. Another really great place is the TikTok ads library. I think they call it the TikTok creative center where you can search by industry. Um, you can look up the ads that have the top watch time, um, the best engagement. They have made it so easy to do research on what brands are doing on TikTok in terms of what ads they're running. So you just have so much great information. I also have a Facebook group called Facebook ad creatives only where every day me and other members share like, the top ads that we come across. So I've found that to be a really great resource just to go to the group and see what other people are sharing. Um, 
So it's, it's never been easier to be inspired. Um, and I always just think about like, what do I care about? Like if I was going to be buying something, like why would someone want to buy? What problem is this solving? Um, I star in a lot of my clients ads. I actually started out when I started doing ad creatives, just advertising myself on Twitter. Like, Hey, I will model in your ads, send me your product. I'll give you a genuine testimonial. And I started doing that back in like 2019 before really user generated content ads were such a thing. Um, and that just became so incredibly popular. Brands looking for genuine testimonials, but cut in a way that is has like conversion principles in mind. I think that's why people struggle with like influencer marketing because they send their products to influencers and the ads they get back. They're like, well, clearly this influencer doesn't really know much about marketing or talking to the camera or getting attention. Like they don't know those advertising principles. So that's been something that I've been working with clients on is like, whether it's me starring in my ads or I have content creators on my team who star in the ads, but make it conversion focused. I think another thing that's really helped me is that because I am a media buyer and I do have access to a lot of TikTok accounts and Facebook accounts, it's really easy for me to see, okay, this is working for this client. Let's test it for the next client. Um, we, there is a lot of formulas when it comes to creatives in terms of like, the timing, the structure. Um, and so it's easy to see like, okay, this is working for one client, let's test it for another. So that's usually the, the creative process that I go down. I love that note you just said, it's never been easier to be inspired. I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt. That's beautifully stated. Well, one thing that occurs to me, and this is where I'm stepping outside of my depth, Savannah, because I am the data nerd that Ralph talked about being absolutely irrelevant and obsolete. and <laughs> oh, Absolutely not. Calling you for a job here obsolete. pretty soon. But, yeah. <laughs> um, You're still needed. There's, there's <laughs> such a thing. <laughs> there's, still, there's such a personality to TikTok versus Snapchat versus Instagram versus Facebook. And one of the things that, that I'm afraid of when I look at those just for myself, for my business, for my brand, is it's really hard. If you're not actively using those, those networks, it's hard to get a finger to the pulse of the personality. And, you know, you could have the same ad on, on Instagram, crush it, and then on TikTok, it feels like it falls flat. Um, and without, you know, diving deep and becoming a, a daily active TikTok user, I, I don't know that I'd feel equipped to begin advertising into TikTok. And maybe I just answered my own question, but how does a brand or, you know, or company take each one of these social profiles, stand alone, and try to excel at them when each one requires you know, something akin to a PhD, just in, in terms of being exposed to in order to understand the personality of that network? Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I think that I've, I've made that mistake many times, especially when I first started advertising on TikTok, like April of 2020, I would just take my clients best performing Snapchat ads or Instagram story ads and try it on TikTok. And it was a complete flop. Mm. And then I was like, Hmm. Okay. TikTok has to look way less like an ad. You can't have any graphics or anything that would signal to someone that this isn't a TikTok. We have to use the TikTok organic text that's native to that platform. Use the editing tools that are native to that platform and essentially make it look like it is just a regular old TikTok that you would see on your For You page and not an ad. So that's something that I think does take a bit of a learning curve, but easily solved by just spending a few minutes a day on the app, seeing what what trends and what things are, are coming up on your own timeline, as well as looking in that TikTok ad library. That's somewhere that I go to nearly on a daily basis to do research um, to see what other brands are doing so that I can just 
cut out all the noise from TikTok. If I don't want to scroll for hours and, and get addicted, I can just go to the ad library and be like, okay, I'm going to search by industry. I'm going to see what other people in my industry are doing. And then another thing, which is great about TikTok, since all of the kids are addicted to it now, is that you can hire someone in college, like an intern or, um, or Gen Z to be like your resident TikTok expert, whether like on a part-time or full-time basis to help you make TikTok content or to keep you in with the trends. Um, there's girls on my team that create content for me that are way more into TikTok than I am in terms of being on the pulse of trends. And they can tell me like, okay, this is what's trending. This is what's doing this, this is what's doing that. So it doesn't always have to be you that holds that TikTok knowledge as well. Um, you could probably find like a lot of 16 year olds that are subject experts on TikTok. Um, like, see that job description <laughs> though. It's like work starts at noon, you know, on the days that you choose. <laughs> I think it's going to be the, the one of the biggest jobs coming up in the next few years is, is like resident TikTok expert, no college degree or high school degree needed. Like just tell us what's happening on TikTok and how we can be relevant. I do think you bring up a good point, And a lot of businesses forget this is you can get an intern. It's okay. You as a business owner, like there are kids out there at every college. Well, I mean, you could go to colleges, but has some kind of growth and development program, or you can just go to internships.com and post an internship and you don't have to actually have to pay them if you don't want to. And you can probably get a pretty good TikTok person just through that. If that's the way that you go, like you the business owner listening to this show, like now I have to learn TikTok because Savannah Sanchez said I had to, well, not necessarily learn what you know we're talking about here, but there are alternatives too. And, and I think business owners just forget that completely. It's entirely possible. So, so talk to us about, it, it's interesting here because you haven't mentioned iOS 14 at all. Uh, not that we really want to keep talking about it, but it seems like TikTok had sort of a different deal here. Tell us a little bit about that. And obviously you're a Facebook advertiser too, and you do some Snapchat stuff. Give us a little bit of a lowdown on that whole privacy issue and how ATT prompt has affected you. Yeah, I, iOS 14 was was very rough, um, to say the least. And I think every, everyone experienced that in some way, shape, or form. I think we all saw Facebook took a major hit. I also saw Snapchat take a pretty big hit uh, with all the iOS 14 changes in terms of just the number of recorded conversions. Campaigns just weren't as affected, uh, effective as they used to be. So that was really a, a major change that really shook up a lot of ad accounts. But one very surprising thing was that TikTok was virtually unaffected by these privacy changes, they still had the prompt and they still have to ask people if they can track them. Um, but I think the major difference was that when I started advertising on TikTok back in April, 2020, the conversion window for when, for where TikTok can actually measure that someone purchased is based off of the same session, which means someone would have to click on a TikTok ad, click shop now, right then and purchase right then for TikTok to record that conversion. It would not track anyone who went to their computer later that day or opened up another browser and searched your website, that data, which is completely gone. So as a marketer, we almost, for th those who were using TikTok advertising um, previously, we were always accustomed to getting very little data back and relying off of like, post-purchase surveys and other mechanisms to measure attribution outside of TikTok um, to where iOS 14 happened. And it was like, well, my CPA is exactly the same as it was before and still the same now. Like It was really no change because I think TikTok was a bit more forward-thinking. They built their platform um, 
catered around like same session conversions and a limited attribution window so that when things did change with iOS 14, it wasn't this huge drop off. It was essentially the exact same. And a lot of my clients, and this is where my business is going, have taken their budgets from Facebook and are now putting it to TikTok and are like, Hey, I need you to help me make the best TikTok ad creative. So that's really all I'm doing for clients now is helping them figure out TikTok media buying, helping them get really great TikTok creatives, working with creators, editing them in ways that work best on TikTok. Um, just because Facebook is not as effective anymore as it used to be, unfortunately. So, so far we've talked about how Savannah got into TikTok and we haven't really talked about Snapchat all that much. We talked a little iOS stuff. We hinted at uh, how you actually create great creatives, but uh, we're going to take a break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about how much money can you actually spend on TikTok and what kind of ads or what sort of creative are the ones that are working the best for Savannah right now. We'll be back with that right after this quick break. We are back with Savannah Sanchez, and we were talking a little bit about iOS 14 before the break here. Uh, We didn't talk much about Snapchat. How was Snapchat affected by iOS 14? Was it similar to what you were seeing on Facebook? What was was your sense? It definitely took a big hit, bigger than what I expected it to be, Um, because Snapchat relies a lot off of view attribution, just like the nature of their platform and them being mobile only. So the fact that view attribution was just severely cut by iOS 14 has really hurt what Snapchat reports as performance. So I would say more and more, especially for platforms like Snapchat, we're relying off of post-purchase survey data to validate whether they're effective platforms. So essentially, if I'm spending $500 a day on Snapchat, when I go into my post-purchase survey, um, I like to use one called Inquire on Shopify. Uh, I want to see that we're getting like $1,000 a day of revenue of people self-reporting that they purchased because of Snapchat. So at the end of every um, purchase that someone makes, it says, quick question, how do you hear about us? And they can select Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, um, billboard or whatever your options are, what you're advertising. Um, so it is kind of like going back to like old school marketing in terms of like doing surveys, but they've never been more popular in terms of validating platforms like Snapchat, where we can't always trust that all the conversions are going to be attributed on Snapchat platform, but we can validate it by survey data. So that's been something that I've really been looking more into the last six months. That's super interesting. I, I, you know, when you were saying post-purchase data, I'm like, what exactly is she talking about here? I don't know as if everyone, anyone that I know has talked about that all that much. Is that obviously that you do a lot of stuff on e-com, obviously a lot of Shopify. Is it something that you guys use exclusively on Shopify or is it something that you use on different platforms? Because that's, that's really interesting. So I only work with Shopify clients and only e-commerce. I can only speak to that, but it's basically if a brand wants to work with me to do their TikTok media buying, it is an, it is a requirement that they need to have a post-purchase survey um, for us to help validate if we're driving results from TikTok um, or Snapchat or any platform. Um, I would say it's an absolute must if you are a brand to have some sort of post-purchase survey to help validate that as you're scaling up on TikTok, like if you are going from $1,000 a day to $2,000 a day, you proportionally want to see that the survey answers are increasing of people self-reporting that they are, are coming to purchase from you from TikTok. And what's really cool about these post-purchase surveys that really surprised me is that there's most of the time around a 50% response rate. 
So hmm. 50% of people who buy from the site end up it's filling huge. out the survey, which yeah, is nuts. insane. Yeah. And that's across the board for all my clients, around like 40, 50, 60%. So we can just double the numbers that we see on the survey. So 50% of people fill out the survey, double it so that we can see, okay, if it was 100% of people, then 200 people today, so they purchased because of TikTok. And then I can see, okay, on TikTok Ads Manager, I'm seeing this many purchases. I spent this much. And then what's my average order value? So that's where kind of like the data science and that part of it is still very relevant of analyzing the data and figuring out attribution from multiple platforms. Uh, I think that's incredibly important. And then also looking at signals on platform, like what's our click-through rate? Um, are people watch? How long are you watching our videos? Um, what's, the C- what's the CPA at TikTok supporting? So there, there is still, of course, a, a data side to it. And there needs to be those people who are analyzing um, all of those touch points. Savannah, what's the, what's the survey look like? Don't give away anything, you know, too secret saucy, but like, can you give us the, some of the questions and and how I think the way the questions are phrased is actually the most important thing, right? Because you don't want to be too leading, but you also want to get as much data as you possibly can. It's very simple. It's just, how did you hear about us? Because we only asked one question because it's on the thank you page of when they purchase. And It says, how did you hear about us? And I think people think that they have to fill it out because it's 50% response rate, which is just insane. Um, And I think just the way that it's positioned on the Shopify thank you page makes you think like it's like one extra step to purchase. It says, thank you for your purchase. Quick question. How did you hear about us? And then it's a drop down that you just check box. So they can only choose one. Snapchat, TikTok. They can only choose one. The thing that I I would want to fight for is the data nerd would be like a checkbox so they could see, oh, I saw your TikTok ads and your Snapchat ads and your, you know, remarketing ads or whatever, because what's the the data now is 32 touch points before somebody converts. And I, I (laughs) but maybe I'm, gosh, am I just being paranoid? Mm -hmm. That's what just happened. Data data geek guy. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I like to think about with that is that (laughs) I... I usually think about like which platform was the most memorable. So even though like the typical conversion path that I see is someone will, will see our ad on TikTok and then they'll later purchase when they're retargeted on Facebook or they go on Google and search. So there's always multiple touch points in most cases, but I think people on the survey fill out which ones is most memorable, which is usually the first touch points. Like how did you hear about us? Oh, I heard about you on TikTok and then I saw your Facebook ad later which is funny because then Facebook's probably taking credit for that purchase um, on, on sure. Facebook Ads Manager. But how did you hear about us really implies like what was that first touch point? Savannah, you just made the people who listened to that piece of advice, you made them a lot of money. That if you're listening to this right now, especially if you're e-com, but I think this applies to every business, if you don't, if you don't immediately go and build this post-purchase survey, like, I think that is a, a, a prerequisite. And I love the fact that it's one question. It reminds me of the MPS score. The MPS score works so well because yep. it's so simple. Yep. So this post-conversion survey, you make it, you make it as, as dummy-proof as possible. And in the world where attribution is the hardest thing to get your hands on, to be able to see what people – and I love what you just said, Savannah. I, want, I don't care to capture everything that they saw. I just want to know what's most memorable. Um, gosh, what, a, what an immense amount of value that is. That's a huge knowledge bomb. Yeah, right there. I mean, I was. I mean, it's obviously it's the Christmas season right now, and buying a lot of shop stuff on Shopify stores. <laughs> I have not seen that. I have never seen it. I mean, it's not like I'm purchasing huh. every single day. Like I've never seen it. So I think it's like that's a really great. And you, I love the fact that you require it of your customers even more. Yeah. So it's like that's tremendous. Well, I don't want to fly blind. <laughs> yeah, no. And seriously, that's. 
that like in this, it sounds like it's an advertisement. This is for Inquire, the survey I use, but it's not. There's other surveys that do the exact same thing. That's the one that I prefer. Um, it's with all of the data lost with iOS 14. Sometimes it's just easier to have a survey out and say, how did you hear about us? Instead of like going Google Analytics, trying all these, I think we make it too complicated sometimes. Like we, we try all these models and like different touch points of looking at things. It's like, what if we just asked a survey and asked people, how do they hear about us? And then we use that to prove that if we double our spend on TikTok or triple our spend, are we getting triple the amount of people who are self-reporting that they heard about us from TikTok? Or if it's remaining the same, then we know, okay, then this obviously isn't effective if we're quadrupling our spend and still a hundred people a day are saying, I heard about you from TikTok. I want 400 people. So I think that more and more we're going back to traditional advertising in so many ways, just the way that we measure attribution through surveys, through the way that we think about things in terms of creative being the most important and not about tactics, thinking about human psychology. Uh, We're really going back to basics on a lot of fronts. I love that you require this of your customers. I want to just as I'm a little feisty on this one note, Savannah, and please feel free to back me down because you're clearly like the authority in the space. I want to fight you on the data extrapolation. When, you know, let's say that Uh I have 50% response saying, you know, whatever it is that they say to double it because it's a 50% response. Here's my, my, my soundbite and then feel free to back me down. The, the temperament of the person who takes the survey versus the temperament of the person who doesn't take the survey, I think can be deemed a common denominator that actually might also connect with how it is that they, so for instance, maybe people from Facebook are less likely to survey than people from TikTok or vice, you know what I mean? etc. Et, et Did I just annoy the daylights out of you? Like, would you have fired me just now if I were on your team? No, I think that's very interesting. It's something I would want to know more. Like, is the person who fills out surveys more likely to to come from one platform versus another? I think that that's an interesting thing to study in itself. I think it's more directional in terms of and that and it really applies to like brands where I'm like, okay, we need to spend like five thousand dollars more a day on TikTok. And they're like, Well, I, I want to feel confident that we're getting that many more people purchasing every day and they're saying TikTok's the reason why. So it's more of I want to see that as I'm scaling spend, I want to see proportionately the response rates grow. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of like if I spend a hundred dollars a day on TikTok and I get a hundred dollars of reported revenue of people self-reporting that they came from TikTok. And if I double that, then it's 200. Now I'm at 2X ROAS. I I agree with you that it's not a perfect model, but it is one that I think is a good directional piece of, of data to, to keep in mind beyond just what the platforms are going to say or what Google Analytics is going to say. Well, analytics just, doesn't say anything. You know, 60% of <laughs> analytics conversions are all direct or not reported. Like it's, you know, and, yeah. and I know why. I know why Google's veiling the data because they have it, but it makes sense for them for so many reasons. There's the privacy concerns, the congressional oversight, the antitrust, and the fact that Google wants you to pay for the data, you know, which means go to mm. Google Ads. But you're right, like we're all flying so blind. And there, there are tools to buttress this. There's, I, I'm an early stage investor in a software company called Northbeam, and they do nothing but this. They help e-commerce companies figure out their, their, their attribution, but even they are just piecing together like snippets, sound bites. Um, and I, I actually think this is the biggest nut to crack right here. I think the people that crack attribution are going to be so far ahead of the curb. But the problem with cracking attribution isn't visibility. It's also waiting and, and I don't mean waiting as in time. I mean waiting as in the weighted average. Like, how is it that you apply value? Because if it does take 32 touches between TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, remarketing, email, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how is it that we're distributing the value of each of those touches along this conversion path? 
And and it's not as simple as you know data driven attribution or or you know customer acquisition or, or you know this, this whole first click last click BS drives me insane. It, it I think it's going to be ultra hyper specific to individual advertisers who are able to figure out for them what the weighted averages tend to look like. And I, I know this sounds like it's not fun. There's no, nothing sexy about this topic, but like for, for e-commerce, especially because you can see the conversion value right out of the gate. Um, this is where, this is the kingmaker, you know, the, the, this is the, 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 the thing that allows people to hurdle all of their competitors if they can figure out what that attribution looks like. I cannot agree with you more. And I want to make a point on that. Like for any brands listening um, that are potentially thinking about hiring brand marketers or agencies, telepaid social, I think that there's two different people they should hire. Number one is someone like you that like understands attribution, whether that's an agency that really understands attribution or a consultant or hire in-house. Like I think that role is so important, especially post iOS 14. So having like that data-centered person who can really put a lot of thought towards that, I think that is a full-time job. The second one is being someone that understands creative and yeah. someone that's going to come up with different angles, different concepts, um, help you get influencer testimonials. And that's what I really help clients now with is purely the creative side of TikTok. Um, and I think those are really the two main roles that you'll need to be successful on paid socials, having those two different minds as opposed to hiring like a regular media buying agency or someone that says like, I think a 10% lookalike is better than a 5% lookalike. Or I saw that having bid cap and duplicating my ad set five times uh, is going to be like the best hack, like focus less on finding people who are interested in hacks and more on people who are either a really smart and understand attribution and want to help figure that out. And then be someone that's going to help with the creatives as opposed to like someone that's going to try to hack their way to success on the platform. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that part as you were, as you were talking, it reminded me of that, that brands really need someone on their team that understands attribution and, and are going to help them figure it out. I think that's such an important role that every brand needs. I mean, otherwise you're flying blind. I mean, you have to be able to take that into consideration. I mean, this is an imperfect world that we're living in right now. What you're talking about here with, you know, post-purchase surveys is is not exact, but like we're living in a non-exact world right now anyway. And it's more data to be able to sort of piece it all together. Totally agree. Even though we were ripping on Cosm as being a data guy before, you need both sides. You need both the data geeks and the guys that do the dev. And then you also need the creative minds as well. And let's get into that creative side. Like if I'm starting on TikTok, I know we talked about this last time you were on, like what's the one kind of ad you would just to simple it down here? Cause you know, we're a simple audience here at professional traffic, but like, what's the one thing that you would do one type of ad? You mentioned a couple of different sort of types of video or types of ad on TikTok. like boil it down to us, like the 80-20, what would you do first? What's the kind of creative that's really resonating with, you know, most audiences, most product services that you're, that you're selling on TikTok? For sure. I'm happy to share some of my formulas because as I mentioned, a lot of ad creatives just comes down to formulas and there's some on TikTok that I've seen work again and again for brands. Num the number one is things TikTok made me buy. And essentially the way the ad starts out is things TikTok made me buy part 54. I saw this lamp on TikTok and I loved how cute it was. And so I bought it and this is what it looks like in my living room. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. You need to get one yourself. <laughs> it's like a 15 second ad and it's all revolved around things you found out about on TikTok. 
that's one that a formula that has worked well across pretty much all of my brands. Um, so another cool. one is like things I found on Am- like Amazon finds. Is if you are on Amazon, that's a huge organic trend on on TikTok that brands take advantage of. Um, things I found on Amazon that I can no longer live without. Um, here's my favorite Amazon deals. Um, online, you can even make it as general as like um, favorite things I bought online, and then like I found out about this brand and they do this, and now I have it. So showing actually like what it looks like on the website and then showing like the experience of you unboxing it and seeing what, it, what that unboxing experience looks like. That's a formula that I think is so core to any ad account on TikTok is having like those type of ads and so easy for brands to execute on as well. That is so cool. That's brilliant. That things I found on TikTok, that's genius. <laughs> the, it's weird because when I first started doing those ads, I, my TikTok agency rep was like, you know, like we don't really like them when brands like call out TikTok. Um, and so for a period of time, like they would start like denying those ads that mentioned TikTok explicitly. Really? But they were yeah, because I think they were like, they don't want brands using like the TikTok IP, like even mentioning TikTok. Gotcha. But okay. they relaxed that rule about six months ago. And now every, there's so many ads I come across and pretty much everyone is like things I found on TikTok or things TikTok made me buy. Like it's a very popular formula. Um, so I think just, and I even see that on Facebook ads. Um, for a lot of my clients that we do Facebook creatives for, we'll start the ad with things I found on TikTok and then go into the ad, even though we're showing it on Facebook. So that's a formula that it's tried and true. Ralph, I think Savannah should be the new co-host of Perpetual Traffic. I think you should fire me. <laughs> Everything she's saying is brilliant. So I, I have a, I have a, I have the a thought has problem. occurred to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I watched we're both to say it first. Well, we're both out of a job anyway because, <laughs> yeah. you know, apparently I insulted Ryan Dice. So well, you Savannah insulted Ryan. I was just here. I did not. I didn't even laugh at that. <laughs> no, but you're guilty by association. Yeah, I thought it was abusive and I I, I, yeah. I hate being tall. It's Poor, poor Ryan. You hate being tall. I hate being nine feet tall. It's horrible. I, he is good. about nine feet tall, by well, the way, Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. And How tall wears, are you? Like, heels I, I drink like a lot of milk. Seven feet. Seven feet. Two, yeah, no, I'm, I'm six four. You know what I think it is? I think it's the growth hormones in foods. My, my, my father's an immigrant. And if you look at the children of immigrants, especially from, from Asia and South Asia, like, you know, over there, we're five, six. And then you come over here and like all my cousins are like six foot nine, six, two, six, four. And I think it's because like, we're not exposed to all the junk that we're, I'm not kidding. <laughs> There's like, you know, because in, in the States, we're just like pumping all of our food full of this junk that we're, we, we have no acclimation to. So well, you mentioned you did drink a lot of milk. So I that's did got the RGBST yeah. stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You might, you might be onto something there. I have a, I have a TikTok fear. I'm because no, so because of the because of the grenade that everybody just had to survive, which was Facebook, um, you know, <laughs> having the iOS, you know, nuke hit it. Moving forward, I want to learn from that lesson, and I want to learn from every lesson I, I'm forced to learn from uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective. It's one. Of, it's one of my core values: is, is don't make the same mistake twice. So here's one of the mistakes that we made: is we we over we became over reliant on this traffic source. TikTok scares me because of the um, potential legislation around it. It's a Chinese-owned company. Uh, my my brother-in-law's in the State Department. He's not allowed to have TikTok on his phone. Um, the Trump administration tried to ban TikTok effectively, and then after that administration's departure, the Biden administration now is investigating TikTok. So just kind of curious, and, and y'all stop me if you're like, dude, this conversation is irrelevant, worthless, whatever. But I think it's I think it's important for an entrepreneur to know like, okay, if I go and I build 
a business here and I, you know, rely on it for a community for traffic, et cetera, like this thing could go away based off of like one congressional hearing. So A, how do we mitigate that risk? And, and B, how likely do you think that is, Savannah, based on what you've seen? Because you know it better than I do. I can 100% relate to that, especially on Facebook, like being over-reliant, like brands that spent 90% of their total budget on Facebook ads. And then April comes around and they're like, what, what have we done? And so I think part of that lesson was diversification, um, spending money on other platforms like Snapchat and TikTok. So never being reliant on any platform in particular. Um investing more in email, SMS, own channels. I think that has never been more important. But anything to do with social media is building on like borrowed land. And I think that has to be recognized. Whether you spend so much time building up a huge Instagram following and then your Instagram account gets banned or hacked. Like anything can anything can really happen. And I know brands that solely drive traffic just from Instagram following. Like they really focus on the organic side. Um, same goes with TikTok. Like they're going full in on TikTok and trying to pump out five videos a day to go viral on there and spending a lot of resources on that. And I could even relate to that myself. Like I have my following on Twitter, but if Twitter goes away or um, if people stop using Twitter as much as they used to, then that puts me at risk too. Cause my entire following is on Twitter and that's where I've really established myself. So I think there always is inherent risk of doubling down on any platform. Um, so I, I recognize that. And I think it is really important to always be building up your own channels like email, um, SMS as a brand, I'm saying, um, and have that direct contact and not rely on any one social media platform like as your only sole contact with your customers, uh, whether Facebook ads, TikTok ads, or otherwise. I think it's also just really important to, to adapt. And I think that digital marketing does make it pretty easy to adapt. Like if one platform doesn't work, all right, let's try this next one. Um, and I think TikTok is kind of in that point right now. Like Everyone knows that TikTok ads is worth looking into and that it's working for some brands um, and that it's worth testing. So I think everyone's in that phase of like, yeah, let's test it out. Facebook's not working as well. Of course, I'll test TikTok. And I think it's a bit of also like striking while the iron's of like TikTok isn't as expensive. Everyone kind of feels like they missed the wave of when Facebook was really cheap and easy. So people are like, oh, like TikTok is really cheap and easy right now. Like, let's go there. So everyone's kind of hopping from one place to another, trying to find, um, like trying to get in early essentially before it becomes crowded and expensive. Like it, of course it will as TikTok continues to get more popular and uh, it's going to get more expensive and more advertisers. So I think that all boils down to like what I focus on and what I always encourage brands to focus on is just think about your product, think about your creative, know your customer, give them something that's valuable. Um, and then it doesn't really matter what channel you're on. Um, then you're not just relying off like I had a Facebook ad hack that's no longer working. Then it's, you didn't really build a brand. So if you're focused on like, how can I actually build something that people like and a good product and I, I'm able to effectively create like make creatives that target people that understand like what I'm selling and why it's useful. Like that's going to be evergreen, whatever channel you go on, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or the metaverse, whatever the next channels are like that are coming. Um, as long as you're able to be a good marketer, then you can figure out any channel. So last question for you here, how much can you actually spend on TikTok? Like mm -hmm. unless, cause it seems to me like these are, younger demographic, maybe not with like a credit card in some cases, but obviously there's the older demographics that are on there. Like how much can you spend? Like wh what are you, what are we talking about here? I mean, like, is this something that really is supplanting what people were spending on Facebook? I'm working with a few brands right now that are spending 
over $100,000 a month on TikTok ads, especially now that we just came off of Black Friday. So um, so depending on what you're spending on Facebook, that can seem like a lot or a little. Um, I know brands that are spending up to $500,000 on, on TikTok. So it's definitely possible to scale on there. I always recommend brands that want to start out, like just start with a couple hundred dollars a day and have a few creatives that you're testing and, and scale it from there. And then use things like a post-purchase survey to validate that and your other attribution um, tools to help validate you scale up. So wouldn't say just take all your Facebook ads, go over on TikTok and put a hundred thousand dollar budget a month on there. Like that's not smart, but start small and figure out what creatives work. And that's really what I focus on is what creatives are going to work best on TikTok. Do that creative testing. And once you find those, those creatives that are resonating, then you can just increase budget day by day. And hopefully you can increase that to thousands of dollars a day if it's a really effective creative, but creative does burn out quickly. So every week, new stuff, new, new things you're testing. Um, it's so important on TikTok. You can't just have one ad and, and hope it's going to um, scale forever. Um, there is a lot of creative fatigue. So I would say if you're willing to invest on in good TikTok creatives and, and find um, find the right partners to help you do that, whether you're hiring people in-house to create TikToks for you or looking at other agencies or otherwise, I think that's and the first step is to get some really great creatives and then it's easy to scale up from there. Yeah, that's uh, that's great to hear. And I, th- I do remember that from back at, it was episode 306. So we're going to leave links in the show notes here over at perpetualtraffic.com. We talked first about Snapchat and TikTok, but I remember you saying that creatives really do have a really short life on TikTok, which means you got to be constantly doing what we talked about in the first part of, or like the second half of today's show is obviously already, you know, ideating and looking for new ideas, coming up with that stuff, using the resources that you mentioned here, which we'll obviously leave links uh, to, but, um, that's a lot. Like that's, that's a chunk of change. I mean, that's, you know, that's a healthy monthly ad spend for Facebook. I didn't actually think, uh, in some cases brands were spending even that much, but, um, it's growing and it's growing in popularity and obviously the, the user base is growing. So, you know, the dollars are there, you know, and, uh, it's great to, it's great to hear, like it still continues to roll for you. And I'm really, you know, excited for the the stuff that you're doing. Obviously, you're a great follow over on Twitter. Uh, where can people reach you? Is it Twitter primarily? Do you have other socials? And maybe just give us a little lowdown on on uh, what the socialsavannah.com actually does for people. For sure. So I would say definitely the best way to get a hold of me is on my website, thesocialsavannah.com. You can fill out a contact form and talk to me directly. Um, follow me on Twitter. Um, you can chat with me there if you comment on my stuff um, or at me. And that's social underscore Savannah. I also have an Instagram and that is the social Savannah. Um, but yeah, and if you if you do want to work with me, I am a freelancer that helps brands with their TikTok advertising. And then I also have um, a content team that helps brands develop really great TikToks and Facebook ads. So whether if you want to work with me on the media buying side for TikTok or if you need help getting those new ad creatives weekly so that to help you scale those platforms, I would love to work with you for those. 
Very cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And obviously, we're going to have you back, hopefully, if schedules permit, sometime in 2022, maybe the first part of 2022. And I think the, the listeners really appreciate the updates here. And it's like some of these knowledge bombs are like crazy good. So we'll be leaving uh, lots of links and references in the show notes. Make sure that you head over to perpetualtraffic.com uh, for all those references as well as the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. You know, Cosm hasn't gotten any Cosm's a genius uh, ratings recently or reviews, so he's feeling There's a little only so bit. Many those I can pay for, Ralph. yeah. Uh, oh, but don't don't forget the twenty dollars is hard. Com forward slash better. Yes, tell us yes. what we can do better. better. That is B E T T E R as opposed to Bettor, as in like betting, right? As opposed to Hector. 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 Even Savannah got in on the fun. That's great. Everybody's ribbing Hector. He's going to yeah. hate us entirely here. Well, go That's back and listen to previous episodes. That will make Hector happy. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 